good evening or morning or afternoon to all of our viewers. Uh, it is a pleasant 12.41 a.m. as we speak on this fine morning of uh, January 5th. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to do a quick reminder. Please like, subscribe, turn on notifications for us. Um, we really, really, really need to see more comments um, on these videos. Uh, we really want to interact with y'all more. want to hear y'all's feedback. Um, All of the Instagram um, and TikTok. Link in the oh, description. Yeah, um, on TikTok, I think it's hold down the fort pod. I think I got that right. Yep. But you should yep. be seeing a lot more content on there and on the Instagram. Uh, so be sure to, to tune into those as well. Go follow um, for us. Um, and then we also posted some earlier content this week. Uh, Rohan and Vinay dropped the soccer mini pod. Um, Sam and I dropped one on the college football playoff. Great analysis um, so, there. Before yeah, you go make so, your bets yeah. and your picks, go look at that video. Yeah, go look at that stuff. Um, and, you know, kind of before we get into, um, you know, the usual stuff, I wanted to just say a brief word um, that on a more serious note. Um, Damar Hamlin, as everyone knows, um, you know, had some really, really um, bad uh, a really, really terrible injury happened to him um, this past week, uh, this past Monday during the Bills-Bengals game. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with him, his family, his teammates, everyone involved. It's a really scary situation. Um, but there are some positive signs as of um, this afternoon. Um, my, I think my mom told me earlier today um, that she was watching the news and, and she said that he's now getting only 50% oxygen um, from um, an external source instead of 100%, which is a sign of progress. So um, really thinking about him, um, you know, it's, you know, a lot bigger than football, like people say, a lot bigger than sports in general. Um, these are real human beings, bleed the same blood that you and I do. So um, just, we, we would like to keep them in our thoughts. Um, and yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, I think we're to address a large elephant in the room, which is... Roll Rohan. Jesus. Roll Jesus. Uh, Rohan was right about TCU uh, beating Michigan. We all had, you know, Michigan kind of controlling that game, beating TCU kind of handedly. So, you know, I kind of got Sam and Vinay to hop on the ship of, you know, if TCU somehow wins, we get to be punished. Um, fortunately for us, none of y'all put comments on how we should be punished. So we're still awaiting our punishment. Um, we're trying not to let Rohan, you know, just unilaterally decide what to do to us, but um, so, yeah, if you want to contribute, drop some comments, please um, save us from Rohan's wrath. But, yeah, Rohan, what happened in that game, man? Like, what? Bask in your glory, out? buddy. Bask in it. Well, for actually, you know, before, before I ask you that, Rohan, I also just want to plug the video, like I just said before, the CFP semifinal review and the championship preview, um, where we kind of talk about what actually happened in those games really in depth. Um, but yeah, Rohan, what's your what, – how did you see that game? Yeah, I mean, you know – I blindly kind of took TCU to win that game, kind of just took the underdogs, kind of believed and you know. But you knew what happened. Yeah, like, yeah, of course, you know. You know, I'm just like really good at predicting things. But, um, you know, in my opinion, just like by watching the game and by watching Michigan very, very, you know, from afar throughout the season, Michigan didn't, you know, perform the way they needed to. You know what I'm trying to say? Like they, they, um, they just couldn't, <laughs> they just couldn't, you know, lock it down on defense. And, you know, TCU made a couple of great stops in the beginning of the game, kind of, you know, got their momentum going. Um, you know, Michigan responded, but 
you know, TCU never stopped believing in themselves. And, you know, they got, you know, they got a few calls. Michigan got a few calls. But, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because what matters is the result. And, you know, what matters is that TCU won. Um, TCU came in clutch. And I just think, you know, with this momentum behind them, you know, they have a lot to prove. But I think, you know, it is possible for TCU to beat Georgia and to win it all. So my pick going into the college football final, I'm back in the boys from Texas Christian University again. I know they're not called the Jesuses. I know they're called the fucking war frogs or whatever they're called. The horned frogs. The horned frogs. There we go. But, you know, I still got to say roll Jesus. Uh, they got Jesus on their back. They got God on their side. Stetson Bennett's a fraud. Bowers is a fraud. I got TCU. Hey, Rohan. I'm, we all know that you're uh, well-versed with the mascot of TCU. I'm just curious, you know, Who's your favorite player on the team? Who are you looking out to have a big performance in the, in the national championship? You know, TCU has a really, really great squad. You know, it's really hard to pick one person, you know. But if I had to pick, I would have to put it on the quarterback, Max Duggan. You know, he really, really showed up in the game, you know, kind of took the team uh, on, on his back in the beginning, kind of, you know, led, them way, led the way, um, you know, in, in their down times, you know, he kind of, you know, gave some encouragement to them. And, you know, like a true captain, he he led the team to success. So I would look out for Matt Duggan to have a stellar performance versus Georgia. Yeah, I definitely I, did not I look up think... his name on my phone while you asked me that question. Okay, yeah, well, you didn't have to tell everyone that. But uh, I think, you know, you're actually really right about a lot of the stuff you said. I mean, Michigan's defense did not show up. Um, 260 like yards on the ground given that's like absurd can't let that happen um they let give it gave up what 51 points um they couldn't con contain max Duggan. gave up a lot of big plays um i think sam and i go into this a lot more in depth in the other episode but tcu did everything they needed to to win that game um and i think they're gonna have to do much of the same in the game against georgia um on monday um and just in case y'all are wondering i also have Georgia in that game, but I'll, I'll kind of talk about that a little bit later. Um, what do y'all, has y'all's picks changed, Sam and Vinay? Are we, I mean, I'm rooting for DTU. I want the underdog game, and I also hate Georgia. You so. can check my official prediction out on the, the video with Michael. Rohan, you won me over, dude. TCU all the way. I'm taking the TCU money line. I'm going to pick them to win. Um, I was rooting for them against Michigan, and I was going to root for them now, but uh, I'm going to. You know, Rohan won the first one. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. We're taking TCU to win this finals. It is hard to go back-to-back, -back, so I think something happens and TCU slips away. Vinay, what, what do you think? Are you sticking with your pick? I mean, I, like, helplessly picked Michigan because uh, I thought they were the only viable alternative to Georgia. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I can't get myself to logically – put all my, my faith in TCU against Georgia. Um, we'll be rooting for them super hard, but am I picking them if my life depended on it? No. And, you know, that might come back to bite me later on. Some might call me a non-believer, but, you know, I just, I just call it like I see it. And I hate to say this, but my pick is that Georgia will win the game. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Hey, well, Michael, Michael, real quick, I just want to say – as um, a casual college football fan and watching the Georgia-Ohio State game, 
Georgia did not play well, in my opinion. You know, I thought Ohio State played really well. CJ Strauss kind of put them on their back cool. with some great plays. But, like, Agreed. I don't know. I think well, that Georgia team is vulnerable. Well, okay, here's the thing, though, right? Here's the thing. Like, that Georgia team can be vulnerable at times if you have an offense like Ohio State. And maybe TCU is able to perform on that level. Maybe, right? But the thing is, Georgia and their experience and Kirby Smart and that staff still led them to victory, right? Like, they still ended up, like you said, couple seconds ago the only thing that matters is they won the game at the end of the day right they had great heart and they know how to close big time games and i'm afraid that tcu and first year head coach sonny dykes don't have that experience they don't have um like you know that that mesh squad um as much as you know georgia does and sure georgia does have a lot of like young guys who you know are, are able to make mistakes but i think that they just have so much more talent than than tcu that um, they're gonna end up winning the game but um kind of shifting away from that um, and more towards, you know, bowl games in general. What do y'all think about, like, fixing all these opt-outs and kind of making bowl games kind of meaningless? How do we kind of, what do you, what would your proposed solution be to, you know, restore the health of, of these bowl games? Because, it you know, it also seems like recently they've been super high scoring as well. I mean, like, you look at both of the semifinal games, I think it was 42 to 41 in, in the Georgia-Ohio State game, and then 51-45, I believe, in the Michigan um, TCU yeah. game. So, you know, what do we do to restore these bowl games? I mean, those are some great games, sure. But in the other games, like the, the non-college football playoff games, where you have ton, a ton of opt-outs or transfers, how do we fix that? Um, I guess I'll call on Sam first. Yeah, so as far as the playoffs go, I think that's a little separate. If you want to fix the scoring in the playoffs, I think it's just simply uh, don't don't give them as much time off. You've got a month off that everyone's going to be rusty. Uh, if you should during that time, I think that should help the scoring. But uh, when we turn to the the bowl games and we look at the opt-outs, and I think you're going to naturally get high scoring in the non-important uh, bowl games because no team is going out there and giving 110% on defense in a game that doesn't really matter, especially guys who potentially have an NFL feature. So I don't know how much you can fix the defense, but you can probably fix the offense. I mean, the 12-team playoffs will help a little bit, but... Um, there's really, I mean, there's really no, like, there's no immediate fix, these opt-outs. These guys want to go to the NFL. They don't want to risk the injury for a game that really doesn't mean anything. I think NFL scouts maybe can harp on the importance of playing. But other than that, I do not see an immediate fix to fix the opt-outs. Other than, I don't think you can direct, you can't directly pay the players. So a monet, you know, monetary benefit wouldn't work much. There's really no easy fix other than NFL scouts making it known that they prefer players who play in every game possible. Yeah, um, Benair, either of y'all have. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I again, I'll preface my my points by you know saying I'm a casual college football fan, just sort of watching the sport this year. Um, I think you know just by you know kind of looking at what other sports are saying and you know what Sam kind of said, you know, he said you know why would a player want to risk an injury in a, a game that isn't important. I think, you know, if you want players to play, if you want teams to be, you know, more focused on the result and the performance is to make the game important, you know, make some sort of incentive around bowl games. Either like well, yeah, well, or I guess like the a, question is like, like, what would incentive be? Yeah, yeah you're getting it. Yeah, yeah. So my, my, my point is that like, for me, like, I don't, I don't really know, like bowl games, like what are the importance of them? Like, actually, like if you make them important by some offering some sort of incentive, like to the team who wins or, or something like that along those lines, you know, I feel as though, you know, you know, teams would actually, you know, 
work hard towards you know having their best players and you know the the incentive for a player uh, of a high caliber you know is higher for them to play in an important game and you know sam made a good point you know for you know not playing in a month you know players get rusty so again you know make it you know a little bit closer to the season um and yeah i agree you know the playoffs are like a whole different story but yeah again make it make the game important you know from just watching the season you know definitely like, the orange bowl, the or the orange bowl is a trophy for the oranges, which doesn't really mean much, you know. You know, if if players like actually have something to work towards, I feel as though you know they will they'll practice harder and, and coaches will be more organized and you know actually you know treat this game seriously. Yeah, then any results? Yeah, from the outside looking in, my mind automatically just goes to make less of them. I mean, that might not be within the realm of possibility in college football. Um, not really sure how the bowl game assignments work, but I'm pretty sure it's a very uh, thorough, you know, predetermined process with all the TV rights, sponsorship deals. But the fundamental answer to how do you make a game more meaningless? How do you add stakes to a game? First off, you got to make that game exclusive, right? I mean, playoffs aside, whether you're playing in the Orange Bowl or you're playing in the Barney Bowl or some like, – at that point, what is what is the real difference? The, the prestige drop-off is extremely high, and that just comes with a large number of bowls granted to a very large number of teams. And, you know, as you go down the levels, the prestige just automatically drops off. So, yeah, I mean, the, the easy answer to that would just be eliminate some bowl games. You know, if teams really don't care about them, try to get rid of them. I know the TV deal, the sponsorships are, you know, a well-oiled machine that's hard to break. But, you know, I have a lot of doubt and cynicism toward players being able to take bowl games seriously in the future in the current state where there's just so many of them, uh, which lowers the stakes significantly. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, and you know, to Rohan's point, I, I, there needs to be some type of incentive for these players to play in the game, um, whether that be, you know, better NIL deals for them, um, you know, maybe – we saw that in the Cheez It Bowl with the better NIL deals. Four of the guys got the NIL deals from Cheez Its to stay in the rooms and wear the branding and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So hopefully, and, and we get you, more of that. You know, like there has to be an incentive big enough to override the incentive yeah, for them to stay healthy and, you know, get that NFL paycheck, which is, you know, something really, really large to overcome. Um, I think one potential solution is maybe, I don't know whether this would happen on like a divisional level um, or like a conference level or like the NCAA entirely, but maybe having some type of deadline to where um, players would have to decide whether they're opting out or not, or like uh, transferring or not. And then based on those moves, um, there is a committee of sorts that is able to better reassign bowl matchups, right? Because for instance, like we probably should have seen Florida play Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Oregon State play FSU, right? Like yeah, with the amount of opt-outs that like those teams have, like those matchups don't really make a lot of sense. Right. Definitely. So I think that would make them a little bit more exciting as well. Um, I don't I don't know. Besides that, like historically, bowl games haven't meant a whole lot. Um, I know some people might say like expanding the playoff might help with that because you'll have, you know, some games that are, you know, if you lose, you're out. And if you win, you still have a shot at national championship. That's like a pretty big incentive. But I don't know, I'm kind of against expansion that uh, that you know exceeds maybe like eight teams. I think um, eight I is think, like the perfect number. Yeah, think, because yeah. as soon as you like if you make a playoff with 12 teams, imagine all the other bowl games that now actually mean absolutely nothing. 
but you 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 have that in stark comparison in stark contrast rather to the other six games that actually have some stakes on the line of winning the championship right in those games those players are going to go out there and be like well i'm not one of those 12 games so what does it matter right so i think that could backfire as well but i don't know it's it's definitely a hard solution to find especially considering the ncaa and you know, college football analysts to this day are still discussing there isn't really one big solution that's come out yet. So I don't know. I think we had some pretty good ideas. Um, the second and last question I'll ask is, you know, is this the best playoff that we've had? It's kind of like a two-pronged question. Is this the best playoff that we've had? And are these high-scoring, you know, big-time playoff games good or bad for college football in the long term? Um, I guess I'll start with – I guess, we can go in the same order, I guess, um, Sam or Alonzo yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think it has a direct effect on the sport. I think people like the shootouts, to be honest, especially in such a high-stakes game when it comes down to the wire. But we've really always had this. I can't think of many um, you know, close defensive battles in the playoffs on the top of my head, really. I know especially when we get the Oklahomas and Notre Dames in there, we've had the blowouts. And you, you don't want to see a high-scoring blowout. Like That's not what we want to see. But if it's high-scoring and close, like we just saw um, this time, then I think you're, you're it's really fine. If anything, it's probably better for the sport. Like, I think um, we just saw that scoring outburst, and now this is literally a question that we're asking, is this the best playoffs ever? That seems like a direct correlation to me. Um, so, I, I don't know. I don't think it's bad for the sport. I, I think as long as they're relatively close games, it's fine. Um, yeah, as long as you're avoiding the large blowouts like we saw with Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, if we're avoiding those, then I think it's perfectly fine to have these high-scoring games. Yeah, I mean, I think I was talking to Michael about it before, and I kind of took the the contrary opinion. Um, I I can't really speak to the first part of the question, seeing as this is my actual like first college football playoffs I've actually watched closely. I thought it was entertaining, but you know, after like the fourth or fifth touchdown, I like looked up and I was like, all right, they scored, could and I continued doing what I was doing. Um, you know, when I was starting to get into football and college football specifically, Vinay kind of instilled this ideology in me he's like he he told me that the, the best games are the ones that are de- like a very defensive games and as i started to watch more football and you know kind of you know have that in the back of my mind i i really agreed with him and nothing is more evident than that than when the gators played utah and amarty brady picked it off to win the game and the whole crowd you know went electric um so do i think it's bad for the sport I don't think it's bad. I just think it can be better if, you know, teams had more of a defensive focus in, in like bowl games and in playoffs rather than just like a shootout, like Sam was describing. Um, and that, but that just, for me, that's just my personal preference. I know everyone has their own preferences when it comes to, you know, how they'd like to watch football, but you know, when, when there's more than like, let's say five touchdowns in a game, it kind of gets boring in my opinion. And, you know, when a team scores, there's not that, you know, that same level of excitement. Uh, after like you know the fourth or fifth touchdown so I think you know when there's a little bit more defense you know scoring a touchdown matters more it's more exciting so that's kind of my viewpoint on it yeah as as Rohan alluded to in my opinion you know the games that are most scoring tight games those are honestly one of the most entertaining games to watch for me in football and as it relates to the CFP this year me personally, I don't like to see high stakes games like a playoff semifinal or a final 
be a high scoring shootout. In my opinion, you know, when you take into account the prestige of the game, both teams are going to be preparing for this game like no other. And you just see two teams mutually go out there and botch their defensive game plan uh, to the benefit of the high scoring fest and the big plays. But then I'm just like, okay, did like where was where was the game plan? Like I, I really like to see some sort of defensive counter. I love to see the KG games uh, where teams really just ground and pound and make teams fight for every yard. I think that kind of atmosphere in a final is what really makes finals really intense. I, don't I think, think we've ever seen that though in a finals in the, in this yeah. sport at least. I mean, yeah, but that's that's just my preference. I just feel like you know tight, close defensive affairs with you know the game really not really breaking open until the fourth quarter when teams start to get desperate i think that's like the archetype of a real tightly contested affair um that's just a overall you know solid game on on all fronts and is really won by a multitude of margins and not just offense yeah my answer is pretty similar to the rest of y'all's i think what's best for the sport long term is exposure and viewership because that's what gives them the funding um, to, you know, kind of solve some of the problems and hire the right people um, that are able to solve the problems that we've, you know, kind of been discussing. Um, and, you know, that that is like my best guess as, as what, you know, increases viewership, you know, the most is, is as good as anyone's um, really. So when if, it, if I were everyone, if I were, you know, all of the millions of viewers out there, the way I would kind of see um, what's best for each each game is the first tier is kind of like, how close the game is. Like, is it a blow? If it's a blowout, no one's going to want to watch it. I don't think that's good for the sport at all. I think that's the number one thing is having matchups that create close games, whether those be, you know, like 10 to 13 score games or 42-41, right? Um, I think that's the first thing. Second is, you know, how sloppy is the game, right? If you if you had a, a game, you know, I personally prefer the um, Ohio State-Georgia game just because I thought it was a lot less sloppy. We saw one turnover in that game um, versus, you know, the four total, total turnovers in the TCU-Michigan game. I prefer a game that is less sloppy um, with where teams are more disciplined. They're not, you know, maybe giving up the big plays here and there um, is a good thing. Um, but I just think having it happen so often that it becomes very clear that one defense is, you know, um, I don't know, just making up a ton of like logistical mistakes is not the most exciting thing to watch. And then finally, if I had a preference, I would also have to agree with, you know, Rohan and Benet. I think having a KG defense battle um, is, is always very, very fun to watch, especially when, you know, the offense is able to like scheme something up um, that like just strategically outclasses um, whatever the defense thinks they're doing or vice versa. Um, I think that that is probably the most exciting football for me to watch at least. Again, I think what's best, what's what everyone is most interested in watching, you know, not everyone is going to, you know, be the four of us in this call. So they might have different preferences. But yeah, with that being said, you know, with that focus on, you know, defense in, in these games, um, I also am a firm believer that the best soccer game are those that are zero zero. Um, and, you know, I love playing in those games. It's, you know, a fight to the, to the death till the very end. Um, so on that note, we'll kind of shift over to soccer row on. Feel free to kick us off. Yeah, no, lovely transition, by the way. Really appreciate the effort there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Awesome. So, with uh, first off, we'll I'll start off with a little bit of news. Um, some great news in the soccer world. Uh, Sebastian Haller is back in training with Dortmund. For those of you who don't know, uh, Haller uh, was diagnosed with cancer 
in November. Uh, he had surgery to remove his tumor in, um, oh, sorry, he was diagnosed in July and he had surgery in November to remove the tumor. And now he's back in training. Sebastian Haller was a huge prospect for Dortmund as he was um, the leading scorer in the Champions League during his uh, debut season. So fantastic to see him back and uh, very exciting what he could do for Dortmund in the German League and in the Champions League. So very happy to have him back. The second piece of news and probably the biggest news of the of January so far is uh, Ronaldo's move to Al Nasser is confirmed. Um, I want to recap his earnings because I saw this figure on ESPN. It's, it's insane. It's it's ridiculous. So for every second in his contract, he makes six dollars and thirty four cents. For every hour, it's twenty two thousand and twenty two thousand eight hundred dollars. For every day, he makes almost five hundred fifty thousand dollars. And for every year, he makes $200 million, which is absolutely insane. Um, I don't really have the money. Um, so, yeah, I'll kind of touch upon um, a little bit about his contract in, in, in my questions. But um, there was a little rumor about a potential clause in his contract about uh, his, a, his a move to Newcastle United if uh, Newcastle finished in the Champions League spots, meaning in the top four of the Premier League. Um, it was confirmed by the Newcastle manager that it is not the case, but you never know with these contracts. You know, there could be some things under the table, but you never know. I personally don't think it's true, but you never know. Um, concerning his move to Al Nasser, in just a short answer, he said he had many offers to play in Europe, but he still chose Al Nasser because he made a promise to the manager that he will join the team. So, Real quick, do y'all think he had offers to play in Europe? And if you think so, where do you think he got offers from? Vide, what do you think? Uh, first off, I believe it. I believe it just because of the name and the allure that he brings. It's still unmatched. He's still the number one, you know, most popular. If you look at social media measurables, uh, just his exposure, his brand, still up there in the most marketable soccer players, athletes in the world. Also. When you think about it, a player like Zlatan Ibrahimovic comes to mind. He still he still managed to have a lucrative career in Europe uh, at the age of forty. You know, older than Ronaldo, definitely a little slower than Ronaldo when he was Ronaldo's age that he is now. So you know, bearing those things in mind, uh, I definitely find it plausible that he had some offers. Obviously, they probably weren't the high profile immediate contenders, but still in Europe. You'll find many teams always. I think, you know, for the next two years, Ronaldo could still be a sought-after name in, in Europe, just not on the elite level. Sam, what about you? Yeah, I mean, kind of what Vinay said, I feel like the wording to the question or, like, to his response is key. Like, offers from Europe is incredibly vague. So, I mean, I'm going to say yes, because I think I'm sure there's some teams throughout the entirety of European soccer that offered him a contract just based on the name, uh, whether it was not so good clubs offering to come and draw attention or maybe not elite contenders, but decent teams offering for him to come in and maybe come off the bench or something uh, and just, you know, use the name. So, yeah, I, I think he did have offers, but I think a guy like him still wants to be seen as a star or, um, you know, a crucial player on a team. And honestly, you give them the best chance to do that while getting paid a ridiculous amount. You can still start and be the star and everyone in the place will love you. 
So yeah, I think that was his approach. I'm sure he did have offers, but no, nothing crazy or limited role. Definitely not the payload that he's getting here. Yeah, and for me, I think you know if we are kind of in agreement that like some of the top European clubs weren't you know making serious offers with him, um, I think you know if we were in agreement that it's the smaller clubs that were offering him, then I think that you know he probably would have been the star on like some European squads like just for less money, lower class, yeah. So I think, yeah, it does, I think it comes down to the money. Um, you know, like there's no way you can turn down $200 million a year. Um, I find it very, very hard to believe that other smaller European clubs were able to match anywhere near that number. Um, and, you know, I think it makes sense for him as well. Like, you know, like it, it appears like that's his motive. And, you know, it yeah. seems like that that's the motive of, you know, some some newer players as well, which I think you're about to discover on. But, yeah, I, don't, I, I believe he had some offers from – you know, other European clubs, if they were legitimate or not, like they would actually compete with like huge deal. He just agreed to, uh, I, I don't think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with some of the points that y'all have made, um, in terms of like what Sam said, you know, a contract, you know, for a smaller club where you can come off the bench and play, you know, I don't like, like Michael said, I don't think small clubs have 200 mil, you know, to offer Ronaldo or even a hundred yeah. to offer Ronaldo. Like, Exactly. And, you know, if I'm Ronaldo, you know, I want to be starting every game. And, you know, for for a club, let's say, for example, Napoli, who was rumored to sign him earlier on in his, you know, in his contract negotiations. I don't think he would start at Napoli because Victor Oziman is, is the main striker, as an example. You know, so I think, you know, the top European clubs, specifically the Champions League clubs or even the Europa League clubs, I don't think they wanted to offer him any money because they look at Juventus as a prime example. They signed Ronaldo for the media exposure, for the, you know, for the, like, you know, like Vinay said, because he was a star, because he can bring in so much revenue. And it didn't work out. We ended up losing hundreds of millions of euros. So in that sense, I don't think, you know, he had any offers in Europe from big or small clubs. Um, maybe, you know, one or two sipped through the cracks and, you know, maybe wasn't offered as much money as he would have liked, which allowed him to, you know, make this decision a little bit easier. And I agree with Michael. I think in this scenario, money was his main motive, which kind of leads me to my next question. Shout out to Akash for giving me this question. Big up you. Uh, he asked uh, mainly about younger players. He says, he asked, is the younger generation of players driven more so by money or by passion for their club or for soccer as a whole for the game? What do you think, uh, Michael? Um. I don't know. I think this question can easily be extended to, you know, sports in general. Um, I, I do think that, you know, younger generations are becoming less in touch with the history and traditions of, of games, um, soccer especially. Um, I don't know. I, I think they are definitely being driven more by financial decisions um, than previously in history. I also this has to do with the fact that, you know, soccer is as big as it has ever been in this current moment. Right. Like there is more money in that sport than it ever has been like before. And as a result of that, there are bigger and bigger deals. The stakes are higher and higher, um, which, you know, that just pushes people to, you know, kind of ignore um, the history of soccer and like um, all of its like nuances. Right. Like, I don't know if I'm a young star and I'm getting trained like every day of the week, um, like I'm, you know, sure. Maybe I'll go home and watch like old highlights here and there. Um, but I also think it has to do with the fact that, the young talents that, that, you know, they're watching when they go home 
like Messi and Ronaldo, they're not going to go back and watch like Beckenbauer play defense. They're going to, they're not really going to watch like Zidane in the midfield, right? Like they're going to watch these recent stars like Neymar, like Mbappe, like Holland. Um, and I think that, you know, to answer the question, I do think that they are like more driven by money than, than ever before. Um, partly because there's more of it than ever before, but, but yeah. All right, Vinay, what about you? What do you think? Um, honestly, you know, the money definitely makes it like the money involved in the deals these days definitely makes this question, you know, intriguing. But in my opinion, I think this younger generation is is still driven by a strong passion for clubs and games. I think you look at a guy like Erling Holland, he could have had his pick of the litter, any European club, you know, max contract, hundreds of millions of dollars, but he picks Man City. Now, if it was purely a financial decision, maybe it's the same decision, maybe it's not. But we know for a fact that he wanted to play for this club. He was a fan of the club since he was a child. His dad played there. That's passion. That's not necessarily strictly monetary. And you see that with one of the biggest cash cow stars in world football. And, you know, furthermore, a lot of people like to, you know, sort of judge and you know, bespoke them the name of certain athletes because they become so wealthy, they rise to so much wealth uh, while playing this game that they love. Um, you know, people might spurn them, people might, you know, scoff at them for not, you know, being grateful or whatnot and not having passion. But a lot of people for, tend to forget where these players tend to come from. A lot of players, you know, they grow up in soccer as their life. All these professional players there is not a single thing besides the game of football that even comes close to importance and priority in their life since they were like less than five years old with the majority of professionals you see today. Soccer has been their life. And, you know, that comes with a certain passion. You don't have that commitment from such a childhood age. When you're four years old, who's going to say, oh, as a four-year-old, yeah, I'm going to enter this business to try to make an investment in myself as a future asset so I can make a $100 million contract. No, they're doing it for the passion of the game. I think this younger generation, yes, there's a ton of money circulating, so people can be disingenuous. But at the end of the day, I, I cut them a lot of slack. I think there's still a lot of passion in the game. I see it with the clubs I support. I see it at the Premier League level. There, there, there is definitely passion there. It's not just the money. Yeah, I feel like you got to really break this question down uh, geographically almost, to be honest. If you're a kid growing up here in America and you want to talk about money, I think the first thing you got to turn your head to is the NBA. Um, I mean, it's guaranteed contracts. Role players off the bench make about $20 million a year. Uh, you're, ton you're definitely a lot more famous locally and you get all this brand exposure and nationally televised games every other night. So I think the NBA is kind of appealing to you in the NFL because that just dominates America as a whole. So I think if you're growing up over here where we are, um, then playing soccer really isn't about the money for you because these sports are so much sooner. Like NBA at 18, 19, you can go. Uh, in college, you can make NIL. In high school, you can make NIL deal now. So you can really start making good money um, like right away if you're you know, good enough at the sport. So uh, maybe, maybe, and then overseas, I think, is different. Maybe it is about the money because you don't really have American football over there as much. Um, NBA is growing. Like, it's definitely becoming more. But it's not as much. Like, you don't have NAL deals as soon as you're 15. 
uh, overseas. So I think if, uh, it's a different question when you're in Europe. Like I, I could see it being more about the money because that's your real way out is soccer. That's your main outlet to get uh, to get big and get rich. So um, it, it definitely could be. I think it's increasing more and more about the money. But um, kind of like Vinay said, I think there's still a great amount of people that cherish the history of the game. I think real to get to the professional level, you have to have some knowledge of the history um, and like some appreciation for it to make it that far. So I think it's a good balance between... Uh, obviously, money is always going to be a motivating factor, but I think passion for the game and knowledge of the game and love is still a, a very big determinant. Yeah, I'm going to kind of just go off that real quick. I kind of also could see the opposite being true where it's less about the money in Europe and more about the money. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can see that. Um, just because I don't know. I think that for one, I think it's more deeply rooted in, in history, um, in European soccer way further back than American soccer um, does. And I think that, you know, um, when you're a kid growing up and, and you're playing soccer in like a country, say for instance, right. Could happen anywhere else, but um, in Europe, like, like we've been saying, um, your parents are going to be like, oh, like my dad or my mom, you know, played soccer when they were younger. And so did they. And so did they on this very field right here um, in the U.S. You know, it's more about, you know, either American football or basketball, uh, baseball. Right. Um, so obviously I know that like contracts in the U.S. for soccer are a lot less just because, you know, it's just not as popular. Here. Yeah, it's not as popular, um, which, you know, to your point, could could. Also it's the show, deterrent you know, for American kids because they want to go get a fully guaranteed contract in the NBA or get a you know partially mostly guaranteed contract in the NFL, but plus all the fame that comes with it because you're not getting fame from the MLS, not a lot. Yeah, I also do completely agree with with what you said, Benet, as well. Like um, to be at that level where where those younger players are at right now, like you have to live, breathe, sleep like soccer twenty four seven, and to do that, you have to know something about its history, like you said. That's, um, I kind of viewed it differently as in terms of like knowing about like the traditions and like the history of soccer more so. Um, and when I saw like younger generations, you asked question, Rohan, I was thinking more of like kids that aren't, we don't even know about yet, really. Um, that are like very, very like, I don't know, social media, like striven. And I don't know. It's, I, I think both sides can be true, but I don't know. I agree with a lot of what you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, you know, a lot of good plays being made across the board. I think for America, it's like a different story completely as, you know, everyone was saying soccer is just a lot less popular. Like the fifth, um, fourth, fifth most popular sport here. And yeah. Then it's just it's the reality for now. Yeah. But, you know, Vinay really, you know, really, you know, took kind of took the words out of my mouth. You know, I can, I can speak from my own experience in my own club, you know, when, when players, you know, choose Juventus and take less money because, you know, they've been fans of it since they were younger, you know, that's passion, you know, for the club and for the game. And, you know, money is not necessarily an object because at that point where you're signing for a top club like Juventus, money is, is not going to be an issue, at, you know, at the point you're making, you know, millions and millions of dollars, regardless of what club you go to. Um, even youth players, for example, um, do you remember the the AC Milan, you know, guy the 14 year old you were talking about who was scoring five goals a game i looked into him a little bit after the podcast and he chose ac milan because his grandfather played for ac milan over the likes of juventus and the lazio academy so that's passion and even 
for a 14 year old, that passion is there for the game more so than the opportunity to make money and sign for, you know, a club like last year, Juventus. So, you know, for me, I definitely think, you know, like Vinay said, you got to cut, you know, the younger generation a little bit of slack. And, you know, I do think that they are driven more by passion and even looking towards like the, the leagues that are not as popular, for example, like the Dutch league and the Turkish league, you know, you see videos on social media of like the fans going absolutely berserk during rivalry games. And it's just so inspiring to see. And if I was a player in that atmosphere, that passion just spills over to me. And for me to be in that type of environment, it isn't about the money. It's about, you know, playing for the club, playing for your country, you know, doing the best that you can and, you know, being in that environment. But obviously you have some bad apples, you know, that do, you know, prioritize making money over the passion of the sport. The biggest example, in my opinion, is Oscar. What a talent he could have been if he stayed in Europe, but he sold and went to China for a couple million dollars. And now, you know, he's still there at like, you know, I think he's like, what, 77, 76 rated in FIFA. And he was projected to be, you know, high 80s, low 90s. But that's just one example of a player going, you know, taking the money and, you know, suffering the consequences. So I I think for me, you know, the passion is still there. Yeah. Could I, could I bring a possible counterpoint? Yeah, sure. Do y'all think, do y'all think that, you know, players that were playing for their national teams, you know, a century ago um, were more or less money driven than the average player playing for the national team like today? Oh, I think, I think the players back then were way more driven to, to play for their national team. Because back then you didn't have you know hundred million dollar contracts like the ones that yeah, Mbappe yeah. and Erling Haaland were signing. So to play for your national team was the ultimate you know was your ultimate goal. And even to like, win a competition was like an even greater goal. So 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 wouldn't you also agree then that like today those younger players are a bit less passionate than back in the day, right? I mean, with the rise of you know club football, the, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think, like, there are still a lot of football players that, like, still have that passion and, like, that, like, loyalty to their home country. But I think that with all this added money, there are more people um, that enter the pool of, like, okay, I'm not, you know, as, you know, I, I don't value, like, the loyalty to my nation as much as, like, these other pool of people that like will die for their country, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. When you have more people, there's obviously going to be more people that care more about the money than the the passion. Yeah. And for me, I think that brings the average down, right? Of how, like, if you were to be average of like how passionate they were of like, like to play for their home country, right? Or or about the game in general. I I don't know about the game in general, but to play for their home country, it's probably gone gone down over the years, right? Uh, I don't think I don't think necessarily the average has gone down. I think you can I I think I can give you like a few players care more about the money, but I still think that there's passion to play for your country within, you know. Well, yeah. I think like I still I still think I don't think that players are just like like let's let's talk about players who are like fighting to like make the bench of the national team, right? Um a pri uh, let me think of an example. Um, like uh, what's his the name? Got snubbed off the USA team. What's yeah. up? It, it was the kid. Who was it? Maybe it was Vinay. The when he said that guy who got snubbed off the USA. Oh team yeah, Ricardo Pepe. Yeah, Ricardo Pepe is a great example. Yeah, yeah, I still think he's super passionate about playing for the United States, even though he's not playing for them right now, right? And I, st- I like, I don't think he's gonna, you know, take money to like go play in, in like 
the Middle East, for example, or for Manchester. Yeah. Like he's gonna keep developing uh, his game, keep playing for his club, and you know have a shot of making you know the U.S. national team is by twenty six. Yeah, yeah. Going back to Michael's question, I think it's important to note, like looking at now versus a hundred years ago, a World Cup game, average World Cup game, with the exposure, with the media, with the attention. I just think that, like you, I don't know, playing for your national team in a World Cup in 2022 is so exponentially, exponentially greater in terms of the pressure, the magnitude of the moment, the eyes on you than it, it ever was back in the day when, you know, it wasn't as widely popularized by the media. And so with that more, with that exposure comes more pressure with that pressure comes higher stakes but with those higher stakes. I think that breeds higher passion in players. And so, you know, by that logic, I'd, I'd even argue that people back then weren't capable of experiencing the height of the passion that is experienced in a World Cup game. Just because a World Cup game back then w- did not mean what a World Cup game is today. And that's just intrinsically based on the fact that we just have way more exposure to the game today. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. Those are a lot of good points. And I think uh, there's really just no way to compare how much it means today versus how much it did then accurately. Uh, it's all just per- perspective based almost. But um, with all that being said, we've got a loaded, loaded NFL segment for you today. So we're going to transition right into that. Stacked uh, Saturday and Sunday for you. Um, but where I want to start is probably the most talked about game. Packers put a beat down on the Vikings, 41-17, to and it wasn't even that close. Vikings got a lot of garbage time points. And with this, I want to ask you, this is a lot of questionable losses for the Vikings this year. They are the current three seed, I believe, by two, two or three seed, probably going to end up three seed. How confident are we that they can make a deep playoff run? I personally believe they are going to go one and done. Uh, Vinay, what are your opinions on the Vikings? Do we think they can make a deep run in the playoffs? Um, right now, based on what we've seen from the Vikings, I think a healthy expectation is anything more than one playoff win, a divisional round appearance would be a deep sort of successful playoff run for them. Agreed. And honestly, like what I saw against the Packers, this is a potential playoff matchup. Packers lock up that seven seed. They'll be playing the, the 49ers, I'm pretty sure. As of right now, they're slated to play the 49ers. I mean, yeah, that is true. That is true. But the seedings are not like standard. There is a chance that, you know, the Vikings slip into that two seed because I don't think the Niners have clinched that yet. Uh, no, they would they would have to lose to the Cardinals this weekend. OK, OK. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it, there's a slight chance. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. There's a chance. Yeah, especially like we saw them play the Giants. We saw them play the Packers. These are two, you know, potential wildcard teams. We saw them play the Lions. I uh, haven't seen them, I don't believe, against Seattle. But honestly, I don't really think that they will comfortably beat any of their... They would be playing the Giants right now. If the playoffs started today, it would be uh, Giants at Vikings. Yeah, yeah. I just think this was a really poor performance. A defense that can expose Kirk Cousins, put pressure on him in high-pressure situations, I think that's key. Um, again, we've seen Kirk Cousins win one playoff game. And we don't know. I don't think that one playoff against the Saints is enough to operate. It was a miracle. 
I mean, it, it's not enough, in my opinion, to operate under the assumption that Kirk will play up to his caliber, if not above average in the playoffs. It's not a given. So that being said, a lot of question marks. Uh, I think it's a better bet right now to say one and done than for them to go anywhere past the wild card round. Yeah. Michael, what do you think? Well, I don't know. I think they're definitely on a cold streak right now. I mean, they have four losses on the season, and three of those four losses have happened in the last four weeks. Not to mention they're, the Colts game, which is pretty much yeah, five losses. Yeah, they win by a field goal in overtime, right? Like, I don't know, like how much of a win that really is. Down um, 33 to zero. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. But, like, I don't know. I, I first and foremost, think it definitely depends on who they draw. Um, like proceeded against um there's a lot of like matchup like logistics you have to look at but um i don't know like i i think that the vikings are a team that like can just be you know pretty outrageously good on any like a, a random like sunday um so i would count them out um but based on the way they're playing now um like when said i i would probably um not be too confident in picking them to win um even in that first you know, round of the playoffs. Like, I don't know. I was low-key expecting them to get smashed by the Packers thanks to this TikTok I saw um, that said in the last, like, 10 matchups where um, I think it's a team with seven wins or less is playing a 12, uh, a team with, like, 12 wins or more. And for some reason, Vegas has is, is favoring the team with seven wins or less. That team has won, like, nine out of ten times or something and has covered – no, has, has won, like, nine out of nine times and covered the spread, like, eight out of nine times, something crazy like that. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know how Vegas knew that. I mean, I guess the Vikings were kind of cold. But, um, yeah, there's some interesting stuff. And to answer, to answer your question, like, I don't know. I don't have, like, a ton of faith in the Vikings right now. Rohan? Yeah, for me, I mean, I agree. And I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, the Giants, their potential, um, their potential uh, matchup in the wild card later. But, um, you know, I just don't think the Vikings have it in them. They they have one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Um, you know, they can't put it all on Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson's back to do everything. Um, you know, they did show that they could lock it down in the second half and in overtime versus the Colts. But... It, I don't know. Like for me, I agree with everyone. They will be in one done team in the wild card, but it it really just depends on you know how they show up on the day. But I don't have faith in them to make it past the wild card. Yeah, I agree. I mean that defense is is honestly horrible. It's shown that repeatedly. Thirty three points to the Jeff Saturday Colts is a disgrace. Honestly, like. I will flat out say that is a disgrace to that anemic offense. It's a lame excuse for an offense and a lame excuse for a defense on Minnesota's part. Um, if they draw the Giants, I I guess they can win. But you know, I don't even know how confident I am saying that because Saquon and Daniel Jones have actually been playing really good. So um, maybe they win one. But if you're playing San Francisco in the next round, I think that is, an, is a blowout. So um, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't have much faith in them at all. But um, with that, let's transition. NFC South. Vinay, this is all you. Bucks, Panthers, take it away. Uh, yeah, I think what we saw was just Tom Brady picking apart an abysmal secondary, you know, bottom three in the league without J.C. Horn. Uh, C.J. Henderson, it was rough to oh. see what happened to him, what Mike Evans did to that, 
that little secondary was just it was heinous. And you know, you don't expect anything less. Tom Brady is a veteran, he's savvy, he picks apart matchups, he knows who to target. If you give him a favorable matchup, a mismatch, he will hammer that all day. And we saw that against the Panthers. Um, so yeah, it looks like they're gonna go in the playoffs, eliminated the Saints, but you know, I'm pretty sure that can make a deep playoff run in this NFC. Um, that's a good question. I honestly, Tom Brady is the big X factor. I mean, if you just gave me the stats, uh, show me some quarterback play with the blurred face of Tom Brady, I would have said, yeah, this team looks really, really shaky. I don't trust him at all. But you know, Brady can pull it out at home. We've seen him win some against the some- Cowboys. That matchup is all but locked up unless the Eagles somehow lose to the Giants, who aren't playing anybody. So I would assume the Eagles win the game, in which it'll be Cowboys at Bucks. Yeah, that's that's an interesting matchup because we know that Todd Bowles has gotten the best of that Dak Prescott offense multiple Dude. times in the past. And yeah, honestly, I'm gonna say that I'm feeling more confident that they can advance to the divisional round than I do they bounce out in embarrassing fashion in the wild card round just because uh, I trust the veteran savviness of this team. Let's not forget this team had a Super Bowl run a couple years ago. Still got a lot of players from that run. Last year. I mean, yeah, last year they made a great run. They brought a lot of people back. They got a lot of vets on that squad. Akeem Hicks bolstering that line. So, yeah, you can never count against that. When the playoffs are there, it's a whole different ball game. That's where I stand. I I have a little bit of confidence that they will they will advance. Michael, can the Bucks make a deep playoff run? Yeah, this is you know I think probably my sleeper team to maybe playoff run. Um, like Vinay said, you can never you know count Brady out. Um, we saw it last weekend. Um, Mike Evans looked like he like got ten years younger all of a sudden. Um, but you know some something interesting is who they're going to be playing against. Um, they I think. Right now the projections are they're either playing the Cowboys or the Eagles. Is that right? Yeah, um, but, but the Eagles would have to lose to the Giants, so it's almost 100% the Cowboys. Yeah, and um, I don't know. Like, they beat the Cowboys, you know, at the start of the season already. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't think that the Cowboys are unbeatable. I think that they're a very, very vulnerable team, like we've kind of discussed previously on this podcast. Uh, I think they're kind of frauds. I think if anyone can kind of pick that apart um, and see that, it's Brady. Um, Mike Evans is hot. Um, I think their defense is, like, playing solidly enough to, to have them be competing in any game. So, I don't know. I, I would not count Tampa out, uh, to be yeah. honest. I would not want to draw them. Yeah, and, and we'll do a deep dive. Uh, we'll probably have a mini episode of a deep dive into each playoff matchup once everything is finalized. But, you know, this is all just a projection. Rohan, what's your opinion, man? Bucks deep playoff run. What are we thinking? Honestly, I'm gonna take the contrary. I think the I think the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, handled the Bucks at, uh, away. You know, we yeah. talk about how the Dallas uh, Cowboys have you know a bad away record. How you know uh, the Bucks kind of beat them at the beginning of the season, but you know, without you know getting too deep into the statistics or like you know whatever, you know, I just have a feeling that the Dallas Cowboys are gonna go into Tampa Bay and handle Tom Brady and the Bucks learn from their mistakes from the beginning of the season. And I got to say, you know, I got to roll with the Cowboys here, even though I'm not a fan of them uh, in this particular instance. Um, and I think, you know, they, with the, with the talent that they have, they, they will, they will be able to beat them at home. 
yeah, I think that this will probably be the the best NFC wild card matchup in my opinion. Uh, the Dallas defensive line is going to be the key to this, and uh, who's healthy on the Bucks O line. So um, that'll that'll be the key matchups there. Like Wait. I said, we'll do a breakdown of this Wait. in depth as it gets is closer. Hertz, is Hurts back next week? It's it's uh he's listed as questionable so, I believe so, so they don't know. Are we? I, I don't think. I don't. Play. I don't think we should. We could you know very quickly make that assumption that it's going to be the Cowboys. I think like the Eagles just lost to the Saints. Um, yeah, play very well, but you know Minshew not show up at all. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think it's just going to come down to who plays for the Giants because they don't really want to play anybody. They can't do anything to their record really by playing anybody. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, we'll we'll deep dive and. Uh, you'll get all that. I think this is just going to be an interesting matchup. All right, so on the note, we're going to transfer into on the topic of playoff discussions. AFC wild card, that last spot is wide open. Uh, Steelers, Patriots, Dolphins, all still alive. All, all have very legit chances of making it. So my question to you guys is, who gets that last spot? Which of those three teams? Me personally, um, I'm just going to put my blind faith in the Dolphins, because, I mean, uh, it's my team. I have to. Uh, I don't think the Patriots beat the Bills, and even if the Steelers win, the Dolphins win, uh, renders that irrelevant, and they'll make it. So, um, Rohan, what do you think? Who's your team to get in? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that exact analysis of the Dolphins sneaking <clears throat> our last playoff spot. I don't see the Bills losing to the Patriots, even though the Patriots are, you know, on like a run uh, or whatever. And, um, you know, even despite the fact that if the Steelers win, the Dolphins have the head-to-head advantage. Um, yeah. But yeah, I see the Dolphins getting that last playoff spot pretty easily. Vinay? Yeah, I actually have the Steelers getting this. And um, just work with me real quick. Basically, it's very I've real. Seen, like, there's a very real yeah, chance to get this. I've out. seen like, yeah, a big spark from this team. You got Coach Tomlin. I think they take care of business against Cleveland. Um, and then in terms of the other games, I don't think New England can beat a Buffalo team that's still motivated to get that one seed. And um, honestly, it hates I hate to say this because I know you guys are Dolphins fans, but I'm getting major Indianapolis Colts last year vibes from this team. Yeah, you know? I mean, Skylar Thompson is the quarterback. I don't know what's the... Exactly yeah, I just think happen. like throughout last year, everyone thought the Colts were a walk-in. They had some impressive wins. They're really good. And then it came to the end of the season, you know, banged up injuries and just poor perform a couple poor performances. Colts quarterback was healthy though. Let's let's be fair. They we they were not on their third string quarterback. Yeah, yeah, but I, I see a similar kind of anti-climatic end to what was an exciting regular season team. I just think that they somehow blow this game to the Jets. Uh, Jets looking for a strong finish to uh, a pretty promising season. I think if they start Mike White, they have a chance. So give me the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah, I Mike. think I'm I'm also in agreement. I think the Bills um, beat the Patriots, which um, puts – I don't know. I, I'm going to take the Dolphins. Uh, a thin span. Um, probably not the biggest thin span out there, but um, – I don't know. I the Dolphins are. I, I look at the the schedule um, on Google just now, actually. But they're four and two at home um, this year. I think that playing in Miami would help. Will, will help them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I I think the Jets are a very very beatable team right now, and I think that um, I think they just get it done. To be honest, I think they get it done. Yeah, yeah. and uh, just a, just a side note before we move on, if all three teams 
were to lose, the the Patriots would still get the spot. So that is also a real possibility. If everyone loses, uh, Patriots get it by default because they have the current tiebreaker. Rohan, what were you going to say? Yeah, real quick. I saw this TikTok. Uh, the Miami Dolphins wear their white jerseys at home. So when, you know, when it's really hot, and, you know, at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, their other team, the other team is forced to wear their darker jerseys, which absorb more sun, which makes it like even hotter. And also the way that the stadium is built, uh, what, like during games, the home bench is in the shade, whereas the away bench is directly in the sun, which makes it an unbelievable home field advantage for teams who are not used to playing, you know, in the, in the Miami, Miami heat, which I thought was super interesting. So I don't know what the weather's going to be like when the Jets come to town, but uh, I don't know if that'll play a huge factor, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I also saw something similar. Like, I wasn't sure if it was a, for a Hurricanes game or a Dolphins game, but I think the difference in temperature between the two sidelines is something crazy. Like it's like 30 degrees. Yes, yeah, like 20 degrees, something like that. Yeah, nuts, nuts. Shouldn't even be allowed for it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got it's a home field advantage, and the home field includes where you play. So, like, I it, guess, I guess. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to make every advantage that you have. I mean, fair play to the to the architects of the Hard Rock Stadium for, for doing that. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be an eventful weekend. We will see. Uh, you know, I'm going to root for my fins, but whoever gets that last spot is due for a, a blowout loss in the first round of the Chiefs, let's be real. But um, with that, we're going to move to our last segment of the day, best bets. I'm going to give a quick recap and then give our three bets for the week. And if you want, you can specify which one you think is a lock. Uh, up to you. I'll start me personally. One for three last week. Another rough week. Warriors came through. So no 0 for three at least. Warriors did come through and win at home. Uh, they were not favored against the Suns. Uh, Dolphins disappointed me. I did not expect Teddy Bridgewater to go down. It was not Teddy time. It was not Tyreek time. And uh, the Panthers sold to the Bucks. They went up 14-0, and I was feeling good about myself. And and uh, and then they folded. So another one for three week. Uh, Rohan, how'd you do? I went three for three, baby. I went undefeated last week, which means my overall record is six for nine. Pretty good. Uh, Going to make it hopefully nine for 12 with these bets. But to recap, uh, my three for three week, I took the Brentford money line versus West Ham at plus 280, which was a hit. The first player to score in that match, Ivan Tony versus West Ham, which was a hit for plus 350. And a little bit of a safer bet with the Liverpool Monday line versus Leicester City at minus 335. Um, I'm not going to be taking any more safer bets like that. I'm going to try to, you know, make it a little bit more uh, fair for the guys who are, you know, putting, you know, a little bit on the line here. Uh, so with these bets, hopefully I'll be going 9 for 12. All the bets will be on the Chelsea versus Manchester City Premier League match on January 5th, later today at 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, so my first bet is a halftime full-time result of a draw and Manchester City win, plus 400. Uh, with Manchester City traveling to Stamford Bridge for this game, I think there's going to be a, a really cagey first half with a Chelsea team that has to prove themselves. And I think what wins Manchester City the game coming out of the halftime is uh, the tactical changes that Pep Guardiola can make. Um, I think, you know, Manchester City have the edge in terms of depth and in terms of uh, um, tactical, like they have a, they have an edge in tactics in terms of the players that they have and the quality. Um, and I think the game will open up. And we, we saw what a good uh, halftime talk can do with uh, with Conte and Tottenham Hotspur uh, going into half today. They were a uh, 0-0 versus Crystal Palace and they ended up winning 4 nothing, scoring four goals in the second half. 
So just based on precedent, recent precedent, I think that's a pretty good uh, line to take at plus 400. Uh, the second is Phil Foden, anytime goal scorer, plus 350. Uh, I would normally take Erling, Erling Holland at this uh, anytime goal scorer line, but the line is at minus 140. Um, and I think Phil Foden has a pretty good chance to score. If, by the way, a minus 140 on a player to score any time is nuts. It's, it's nuts. That is, that is absolutely absurd. It is, it's absurd. Um, I still think Phil Foden has a fantastic chance to score. Um, he's the next likely goal scorer. He's the, um, I think he's the second leading scorer for Manchester City in all comps this season. Um, and um, yeah, I don't think Aspilicueta or Cucurella can, you know, can kind of match up to him uh, defensively. The last thing is uh, is cards over four and a half plus one uh, one fifteen. Um, I expect this to be a little bit of a a cagey and you know a little bit of a a physical game on Chelsea's front, uh, especially since they're playing at home and they have a lot to prove. I think this is going to be a very physical game, and I think tempers will fly. And I think you know there might be a fight. I'm predicting if there's going to be a fight, it's going to be in the second half. But I'm not going to count that towards my bets bets because Cliff does not offer a fight line. But I do think there's going to be over four and a half cards plus 115. If I were to pick a lock, I would pick the halftime, full-time result draw uh, Manchester City. But yeah, that's me. Overall record, six for nine. Going to make it nine for 12. Yeah. And Cliff, if you're somehow listening to this video, get us a fighting line out there, please. ASAP, we need it. We need it like super quickly. Um, also, like mad props to you, Rohan. Um, Thinking that your lock is like a plus four hundred bet, that's like a pretty gutsy. That's, that's so, ballsy. so yeah, very very uh, respectable uh, picks this week. Um, I'll do my re- recap real quick. So as you all know, last week I said I kind of messed up. Not all my games were going to happen before the next pod. So just a quick recap. Week one I went one of three, uh, but it's been uphill from there. Week two I went three of three with a uh, Mississippi State money line, uh, Washington money line versus uh, Oregon, and then. No, no, average Oregon versus Texas. And then North Carolina to cover plus 15 and under 12 points. Um, and then this past week, week three, I went two of three. So I got the, the two right that I got were uh, Bama to cover minus six and a half versus Kansas State. I said they would dominate that game. I said Saban will make a statement. Exactly what they did uh, later in that game. They pulled away. Uh, I think the SEC is still on top for sure. Um, some of my friends somehow think that like the Pac-12 and big and, – and, and, I don't know, Big 12 are ahead of the SEC. I have no clue what they're talking they're about. They're not ahead of the SEC, but they are the second and third best yeah, conferences. I, yeah, I don't understand how they're better than the SEC. Um, I also, the other W I took was um, Ohio uh, money line versus Wyoming. Um, that was a great overtime victory, 30 to 27. Um, great game. Um, I only got to watch like the very end, but uh, I'm sure the rest of the game was fine. Um, and then I also, some for some reason, okay, not for some reason, I picked Purdue to cover versus LSU. Um, uh, I think the line was like plus 14 and a half, plus 15 or something. I think at one point it went up to, I don't even know what it was, but um, the reason I picked them to cover was because of all the rumors that are going on the LSU program right now, which I personally believe to be to be true. Um, remember, they are just rumors. Um, but if you know, if you saw those players on the cheese it uh, bet or whatever, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I thought that would rattle the, the, the program internally, um, but that didn't happen. Uh, they kind of smacked them around. I think it was like 63 to something, um, 63 to seven. I, I don't even know what the score was, but it was not close at all. Um, so that was my one L of the week. Um, this upcoming week, all my bets are going to be on the championship game. Uh, it's the last game of the season. It's upcoming Monday. Um, 
definitely recommend watching. Um, it's going to be a great game, high stakes, um, very interesting matchup. Um, and really unfortunate that it's the last game. We get the wait till I think it's in August or September, another college football yeah. game. Um, yeah. But, you know, as Josh Pate, as Josh Pate says, there's no off season. Um, you know, the, the great teams are, are built in, you know, the summertime and, and you know, spring ball. So, um, yeah. So here are my three picks. Um, the first two are kind of player based. So the first, Quentin Johnston, uh, under 15 and a half fantasy points. Now, the reason why this is kind of bold is because he's hit it four of the last five times. Um, you know, I think Keely Ringo um, is going to be able to lock him up. I think they're going to hone in on him. And I also think that Georgia's defense, um, like I kind of alluded to in the mini audit with Sam earlier this week, is a lot more disciplined um, than than Michigan's defense was. I remember Quentin, uh, uh, Quentin Johnston had a huge uh, like 80-yard reception or something crazy like that. Um, that got him, what, like 15 points right there. Um, I don't think that that happens um, again this week. I think Georgia um, is just going to be too organized to, to make those big mistakes. Um, second, I have Max Duggan. Over 26 and a half rushing yards. Um, those last two games, he had 110 rushing yards, 57 rushing yards. Um, I think he's going to need to put the team on his back, um, and I think it'll hit this pretty handily. Um, I could easily see him hitting this on, you know, one big brunt, like on a play. So um, I think that that could, is, is is probably my lock of the week. Um, and then my last pick is Georgia to cover. I think the line is at minus 13 and a half right now. I think it might have shifted to minus 12 and a half. It's a yeah, it's 12 and a half. Right yeah, I think I think they cover that. Um, and if you want to know why, just watch that old other video. Um, I think my score prediction is like 38 to 20 um, or his favor. Um, obviously, I'll be reading for TCU and the Horned Frogs and the role Jesus is out there. But um, yeah, I think the dogs get it done, unfortunately. Very bad to say. Vinay. Right. Okay, yeah. Quick recap from last week. Uh, last week was a great week for me. Went three for three. You know, very satisfied with how how my picks did. Steelers money line. I mean, that was a healthy sweat. I mean, Kenny Pickett is that guy. Mike Tomlin in December. Uh, nothing more to be said. I had faith in them all the way, even when they were down thirteen three. I wasn't sweating it, and luckily Kenny Pickett came through. Brentford. I mean, they're on a tear right now, just going crazy. Shout out to the bees. I think that's their mascot. Yeah, the bees are on quite a tear right now. So that that really. Played to my advantage last week in my bet. And uh, Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa really stepped up. My boy, you know, had had a lot of faith in him to, to beat an NC State with a lot of question marks at the quarterback position. And uh, it was a really, really ugly game, but thankfully Maryland came up on top. This week, what I'm looking forward to is a pretty scared week of locks. I got... The Vancouver Canucks versus Colorado Avalanche at plus one and a half puck line, which is minus 105. Now, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what a puck line is, but it sounds cool. You know, feeling it, puck line, you know. Could it possibly be how many pucks they go through during the game? Like, it pucks up in the, in the stand. I, mean, I think it's just it, the it, spread. Yeah, it's most definitely probably the spread, but okay. I like how they call it puck line, so I'm rocking with that. Plus, you know, the Canucks have no idea what they are. Too lazy to figure out what they are, but, you know, interesting mascot to say the least. I don't know what a Canuck the, is. The Colorado Avalanche, I think, won the Stanley Cup other year or two ago. Probably still a lock. 
still a yeah. lock. Don't Canucks are still a lock. Bro, tell me what a Canuck is, and I'll tell you that it's not a lock. <laughs> by the way, go Lightning. By the way, go Lightning. Dude, no way, bro. No way. Logan yeah. Frazier is having way too much influence over you, bro. Like, hey, I did, not, I did not have a hockey team, and he just claimed me as a, as a Tampa Bay fan. So Jesus. you couldn't you okay, have that option. Why, don't you, why don't you tell everyone where you're from? Like, oh, where you're living I, right now? What, what city? What, what I, I'm currently I'm currently in Pembroke Pines, Florida. And do you know what stadium or arena is like 15 minutes from your residency? Um, I don't know. <laughs> this man, why? All right, you know what? Yeah, be, become a Lions fan. Actually, just just good. No, I I no, I won't become. I am a Lions fan. I mean, right, I right, let's let Benet finish his uh. Sorry, man. Sorry. No, no, I'm loving, loving the hockey banter that I brought up here. You know, hockey very underrepresented sport. Should we uh, should we bring hockey mini episodes? Comment down below. Do we do hockey mini episodes? We can get some. We can get some guests on. I want to get more involved with the Vancouver Canucks. Um. Yeah. Next up, I got Houston Texans money line. Um. Yeah, they're playing the Colts. I don't see the Colts even contending in any football game. They look like. An interesting game though that is a battle for a draft pick so that's yeah, going yeah, to be an interesting watch i mean like the colts are on some bishop sycamore type beat like i don't know who they're sending out there to play they're being coached by like a an nfl analyst who is friends with peyton manning like give the texans in this game give me anyone over the colts right now and the texans at plus 120 money line is mad yeah, that that one's a lock. That's my lock of the week. Like, I don't know. Colts Colts are a dumpster fire. I want to touch them with a 10-foot pole. Finally, to round it all off, I'm going to college basketball. And you know I like to dive into the depths of college basketball. Uh, people are sleeping on the Southern Indiana Screaming Eagles versus Moorhead State. First off, Moorhead State, what are you doing? What a pretentious sort of, like, crude name for a college. Moorhead? Like, I'm sorry. I'm not rocking with that. I go with the respectable gentleman of Southern Indiana University. And <laughs> I love the fact that they're not just the Eagles. They're the screaming Eagles. Yeah, they'll be, screaming, the for Eagles. A win. They'll be yeah. screaming for a win at plus 105. Give me Southern Indiana, Moorhead State. You know, go reevaluate the name of your college because, like, what does that even mean? Vinay, do you know, know what a screaming eagle sounds like? I don't want to know that respectfully. Yeah, but hey, can you reenact uh, the sound of the screaming eagle? I'll reenact the sound of the screaming eagle when they thrash Moorhead State. How about that? All right, yeah. All right, if the screaming eagles win, you have to make a screaming eagle sound. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a, a risk to take such an obscure team when I know I'm sitting at seven of nine right now, so I'm trying to keep that a really, really polished record. We'll see. I'm putting it all on the line this week, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, so just to, to, to update everyone on, on the, the records, Vinay is sitting in first place at 7-9, seven and, seven and Rohan and I are tied at 6 out of 9, and then I think Sam, unfortunately, we're at 4 out of 9. But I think, you know, Sam could be could be up this week. Sam could be up this week. So. Yeah, um, so I mean, just to round everything off, finish the segment off strong, my three picks, we are going to go Dolphins money line plus 100, just putting all my faith and all my chips in. It's, it's Skylar time. It's, it's Tyreek time. We are gonna get one last run on Dolphins money line plus a hundred. Um, I think that's honestly generous considering all the injuries and who's playing at quarterback. Uh, TCU plus twelve and a half minus one hundred five. 
Michael made the argument for the Georgia spread. I'm going to make the opposite for the TCU spread. We just saw this. I mean, Michigan was seven and a half or eight and a half. I think it started at eight and a half and came down to seven and a half point favorites. Covered that with ease. Uh, even if Georgia does win, I mean, we are in a national championship game. Put some respect on the team that made it to the national championship, please. I think that is absurd to make it 13 point favorites to start out with after Ohio State brought it to a last second field goal. But yeah, TCU plus one and a half. I think Max Duggan's going to play great. We've already given you our breakdown. Go watch the other video. Watch this vid. It's in there. Uh, lastly, Lions money line plus 185. That is a crazy line to me against the Packers. Uh, this is a win in your end game for both teams. Like, is it do or die? And the Lions have just been the, well, I can't say more consistent either. These teams have been consistent. They've both sucked mostly. But um, Lions have been playing good recently. Packers have been playing good. I trust the Lions offense more than I trust the Green Bay offense. Jamal Williams, touchdown machine. Um, Goff has been playing good. I like the receiving core with Jameson Williams back for the Lions more than I like the Packers. So Lions money line plus 185, ending Aaron Rodgers' playoff hopes. Uh, lock that in. Uh, I'm going to say Lions money line is my lock week, but we are looking to go. Um, I don't have any locks. I don't. Dolphins money line is definitely not a lock. And um, we clearly think TCU money line isn't a lock. So those are going to be my three lines. Money lines lock. On that note, thank you everyone who stuck through the video. Like, subscribe. Uh, link to the TikTok and the Instagram are all in the description. Yeah, I also and want stay to tuned. say something real quick. Yeah. On our best bets, we are sixty-four percent correct um, so far. I mean, I know it's relatively small sample size. We have what I think thirty-six yeah, total. Um, I think we're 20, what, what's the total? I think it's uh, 23 for 36 or something like that. So Roughly. pretty solid on our part. Uh, if you've been you know, betting alongside us, you're probably up right now. Um, so stick with us. Um, and, and yeah, definitely check out our new socials. Stay uh, tuned. we got content. big weeks coming up. So yeah, let us yeah. know in the and comments. Keep yeah, definitely. But yeah, you drop some Drop the punishments too. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Rohan should really be the one vouching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, since you're but... since you're promoting your own punishment, I I would be more than happy to let you go. But you know, I'll, I'll kind of take over. Remember, you know what happened when they took TCU to beat. Uh, well, remember when they took Michigan to beat TCU and they lost. They we made a friendly wager that they would do a punishment of the common's choice. But if you guys don't give a suggestion, they're never gonna do a punishment that I pick for them because they're gonna be like. Oh, the comments didn't pick it. So please leave some comments down below with some punishments for these guys to do. We're gonna do. I'm gonna do everything in my power to make them do the worst punishment possible, and we're gonna post them on our socials, the TikTok, the Instagram. Everything's gonna be down below. We're gonna be posting a lot more clips. We'll be posting a lot more content for y'all over the next coming weeks. So be sure to be active on those. Leave comments on our YouTube, on our TikTok, on our Instagram. We're gonna be reading all of them. Leave more debate style questions you want to see. I took a question from someone I know um, for the soccer segment. We, we're going to be pulling questions from everywhere for our next week's segments. So please, please, yeah, like, please be as interactive as possible. We'd love to read your comments and also leave some suggestions below. And yeah, like, even if you don't comment it, you can like text any of us if you know us personally. Like We'll still like answer your questions. Exactly, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be nice if you did it in, in the comment section. I hope you yeah, and Justin, I saw your I saw your uh, comment about the Jordan versus LeBron debate. We might do a mini episode for that later this week, so keep on the lookout for that. All right, after <laughs> hours, new <laughs> developments have happened off the call. All these guys are like, 
oh, your bets were ridiculous. Your lock of the week was plus 400. Michael, do you want to repeat what you just said to me, please? I said if he goes three for three this upcoming week, I will buy him a run bucket on me fully from JJ's Tavern back bar, Midtown, uh, Gainesville, Florida. You heard it here first. Yeah, let's let's make it official. That. All right, and if TCU doesn't cover, um, I'll be taking a, a large sip of your uh, next uh, rum bucket. All right, no comment at this time. But watch out for my bets. Watch them go three for three. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, and, yeah, by the way, the rum buckets are filled with water and ice only. But, yeah, with that, um, we appreciate you watching episode four of Hold Down the Fort. And we will see you next week. Hold on the four. Damn, bars. All right, peace out.